Ladies and gentlemen, grunts and girls, welcome to episode 38 of Bullets to Beans. As always, I'm your host, Doc Joslin. We're in the first week of May 2021, and kind of a somber weekend for me. May 1st is a couple of different not-so-great days for me. Same day, a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's my mother's birthday, and she's no longer with us. We had, towards the end of her life, a very disruptive relationship and as I get older I look at things that were said and done and there's time that I can't get back so kind of a somber moment for me uh, remembering my mother on her birthday and there's things that I wish I could say that I can't say anymore and then May 1st is also the anniversary of an attack on U.S. outpost Bar Eli in Kunar province in Afghanistan 2009 that was an outpost for my task force that got overrun by Taliban forces I vividly remember waking up that morning to the sound of the two 155 guns was not uncommon for them to shoot early in the morning what was uncommon was the rate and volley of fire that they were shooting I'm not going to do this show about Bariali but just add to the the sobriety of the weekend. So on that note, we are going to do a show today. It's not just going to be me feeling sorry for myself, remembering some fallen brothers and my my mother. Episode 38, we're going to get into segment one. We're going to talk about some current event stuff. It's just a continuation of the stupidity of culture and society in America today. But we're going to talk about it because, folks, this is kind of getting ridiculous. Another current event topic, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. You know, that's kind of what tied me up on social media or the lack of social media productivity this weekend when I was remembering my friends that died on OP Bari Alai and I, the announcement earlier this week, the beginning of the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan to a timeline. And I thought about what we've accomplished in the time that U.S. forces have been on the ground over there. That's going to be segment two. Also, what you're going to hear more and more and more and more and more about, Bullets to Beans podcast has officially entered into the Veteran Podcast Awards competition. Uh, as we get closer to the voting period on that, we'll be sure to announce how you can vote for Bullets to Beans and give us a, a fighting chance at the Veteran Podcast Awards. That's our show this week, folks. Stay tuned. We're going to get after it. get one of them to monitor yep. and i get back on the gun and get back out and fight because probably one of the good progressions through the military the aircraft is pitching and rolling and we're going through the valley and it, it's just a wild wild ride and i'm trying to think to myself no. no the crisis has to culminate and in communities like seattle and portland Bullets to Beans, your weekly military and veteran podcast with Doc Joslin. You take home defense seriously. 
you have a fire extinguisher, alarm system, and firearm training. But have you considered another crucial home defense tool? MaverickTactical.com provides body armor plates and carriers to the public at an affordable price. AR-500 body armor is made locally in North Carolina. It provides equivalent to level 3 protection in the perfect combination of price, function, durability, and weight. Protect yourself fully with Maverick Tactical, a crucial part of your home defense package. Call 336-269-7292 today. Online at MaverickTactical.com. All right. Welcome to segment one, episode 38, Bullets to Beans podcast, May 2nd, 2021. Sounded formal enough. I'm only going to bring up two topics in segment one about current events in 2021. And I think it's two key events that's that's in the news this week that just kind of summarize the fucking stupidity in our country right now. It's quite honestly, it's embarrassing. I'm glad I'm not traveling internationally right now. Quite honestly, folks, it's hard to maintain pride in a country when you look around and this is the shit that your country's doing. So first of all, let's talk about Elon Musk getting ready to be on Saturday Night Live next weekend. Good for him, right? But a couple of the cast members evidently don't want to act with him because they don't like him. Because he's too outspoken. Because he he calls out stupidity when stupidity is reigning. And you gotta, I think, you should celebrate people like that. But no, not the Saturday Night Live crew. And folks, let's keep in mind, Saturday Night Live stopped being funny in the 90s. Right? It, I think they were at their best with Chevy Chase and Eddie Murphy. And then they were still good with, you know, Dana Carvey. Uh, and that crew, Chris Farley, you know, but then I don't, I can't remember the last time I watched it. It's so fucking unimportant, but evidently they're still important enough to draw some media. So there's some folks, some writers and some actors on the show, the players on the show, whatever they're called, that don't want to to act with Elon Musk because of how outspoken he is. And he's kind of eccentric and he's a billionaire and he represents the you know the top one percent that control fifty percent of the wealth. Don't, dude, the man's a genius, and he's engineered things that nobody else before our time and in our current time could engineer. And because of that, he's been rewarded in a capitalist economy, which is what America was founded on. So you're offended at the success story of the premise of what our country was built on. Get the fuck out. Seriously. So imagine, you know, everybody knows I work in healthcare. Imagine if Elon Musk came into my practice and my staff were like, you know what? I disagree with that man in general. I'm not going to provide healthcare to him. How would that fly? Actually, people can lose their license for abandonment of care, right? How fucking spoiled rotten are you as an industry when you can even though you're part of a union, the Screen Actors Guild, is, is even though you're a part of a union, a unionized workforce, you can pick and choose who you want to do work with. And it's one thing if you get offered a part in a movie and you're like, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer not to do that. But this is a paid gig. This is a paid gig that's a regular show that you have to act on and you know that the the host of the show, the guest actor for the skits changes every week. 
That's the premise of the show. It, what other industry can somebody walk into your environment or place of employment and you go, don't want to take care of them? Because it didn't work out so well for the goddamn bakery folks in, in Indiana, I can tell you that. When they tried to drop that fucking card, it didn't work out so well for them. But now these spoiled, rotten, unfunny, supposed comedic actors can drop that same card. Oh, I disagree with what they're doing, and I, now I don't want to be a part of it, and now I don't want to act. I don't want to do my fucking job because I don't like the person I'm going to have to stand next to or work with. Uh, where's the... Where's the common sense there? Where's the, where, where do we, where do we apply social justice and individual rights equally across our country? Cause again, I go back to the example of the baker in Indiana who didn't want to cook a bake a cake. I guess it's baking, not cooking is cooking, baking, but baking is not cooking. I don't know how that works out. Anyway, he didn't want to. He didn't want to bake a wedding cake for a gay couple because it violated his personal Christian belief, his personal religious belief. He was just like, "Hey, I got nothing against you. I just don't want to bake this cake for you because I don't believe in what you believe in." Lost his business, got sued and fined hundreds of thousands of dollars, drugged through the media, and became a circus show. His personal religious opinion was defeated on the premise of an obligation to serve somebody else and now flip the tables, you know, and baking a cake was his job. And now these spoiled little fucking punk actors, their job is to act. Their job is to be a monkey, be funny, stand and dance for us, clown, right? That's your job. But you don't want to do it because a smart, intellectual, successful man who has built wealth, he didn't necessarily, it wasn't handed to him. He didn't, he didn't just stumble upon it one day. The man worked for it. And I venture to ask how many of those spoiled, rotten, little clown, monkey brat actors, how many of them drive a Tesla? If you fucking hate that man so much, give the car back, right? Because it's the popular thing in, in the Hollywood culture is to have a Tesla. Every time I travel for work and go down to LA, you couldn't turn a corner without almost hitting four of them, okay? Don't, don't ever report on, watch, be excited about SpaceX again. The fact that the man figured out how to land a rocket. That's kind of fucking cool, actually. He figured out how to land a rocket. Nobody else could do that. I apologize if this sounds like a rant, but guess what? It's kind of a rant, uh, a rant with a purpose. Next, I want to talk about in segment one, and this will probably kind of round out segment one. We have Kelly Donahue. Who's a Jeopardy contestant? Oh, well, that's hard to say. That's why I'm not on that show. I can't say contestant, uh, let alone answer all those smart questions. Kelly Donahue is a recent Jeopardy contestant who, on the day that he had was his fourth day back, he had won three consecutive rounds of Jeopardy, which is hard, folks. Other than my friend Dan Giedemann, who used to watch Jeopardy as a kid growing up. We'd all be bullshit and goofing off doing other shit. Dan's there watching Jeopardy. Pretty sure he built flashcards on it. I think he has two PhDs right now, so I'm really not making fun of him. But it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a very intellectual, smart show. Everybody knows that. This gentleman won it three consecutive days in a row. He was on his fourth day, and they were introducing him. And he held up a hand signal that three, right? And on day two... Or day three, after he had won two days, when they said, you know, welcome back, 
He's won two days. He held up the number two hand signal, right? But when he throws up the number three, evidently that's the symbol for white power. And now they're canceling him to the point where 600 previous Jeopardy winners got like banded together against this dude to cancel him. So if, if the, if the hand signal for the number three means white power, does the hand signal for number two, what does that mean? Is that the symbol for virginity? Is that the symbol for Virginia? Is Oh, violence. It's probably for violence because uh, he was probably symbolizing violent white power. Fuck all the way off with this shit. Are you goddamn kidding me at this point that the, the man is smart? He's smarter than the average bear yogi, right? He's, he's on his fourth round of Jeopardy. And he, he holds up a number three in personal celebration that he has won three consecutive days and was back for a fourth. Oh, why do we why do we try to find hate in everything that people do? That's the point. You go back to the the quick story a moment ago about Elon Musk and people, oh, you know, whatever for whatever reason, I don't want to work with him. We find the negative. The negative is so. The negative is the oil that's at the top of the water, right? If you look at an oil slick when there's an oil spill, all you see is the oil that's on top of the water, right? But it's only like two or three millimeters thick. It's not that thick. And then you get to the beautiful, clean ocean underneath it. And that's the problem with America right now. We've got nothing but negativity on top. And that's what everybody sees. That's what you have to jump through. You got to coat your fucking body in it before you can get to what's good in our country. You know, I think back about why I'm I'm so somber this weekend and why I'm so emotionally just withdrawn within myself about what my friends died for, my deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, what we're going to talk about here in segment two, and this is what our country's turned to. You've got this disgusting, toxic oil spill on top of the ocean that is the beauty of this country. And we can't get to what's beautiful underneath because we've got three millimeters of waste sitting on top of it. Folks, we got to do something about that three millimeters of waste. It's not what's prevalent in our country, but they're getting the attention. It's what bubbles to the surface it, because it's, it can't handle the pressure of being underneath. So they bubble up top. We, we need to skim the surface of the pollution in our country. And I'm not calling for violence. Don't, don't anybody who's part of, I, I really don't think my show draws cancel culture people, but on the off chance that it does, when I say we need to skim the surface of what's wrong in our country, that's not a call for violence. Defeat it with intellect. Defeat it with being smarter than it. And partially, not partially, by and large, let's defeat it by trying to not give it attention. I gave it some attention this morning because I thought it's important to, to realize how stupid things are in our country. We got to come up with some solutions. How do, we, how do we defeat this on an intellectual scale? Because nobody who participates in this, in my opinion, really is smart at all. They're, they, they have no, they're in a battle of wits and they're unarmed, but they're getting the spotlight. They're getting the center of, the, 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 the center of attention. There, there's a specific reason why, other than Elon Musk and Kelly Donahue, those are the only two names that I've mentioned in segment one so far. And there's a reason for that. Because I'm not giving the people on Saturday Night Live who actually are acting out or refuse to act out with 
Elon Musk. I'm not giving their name any fucking attention at all. I don't care who they are. The 600 other Jeopardy contestants and the people who brought to light Kelly Donahue making the quote unquote white power symbol. He said the fucking number three because he was three times smarter than you and won the game show three days in a row. I didn't give them any. I'm not giving their name any attention because quite honestly, they should be forgotten. Both of these episodes should be forgotten quickly. Not this episode of Bullets to Beans. Remember it. Like, share, subscribe. Anyway, folks, we've got to we've got to get back to a sense of preservation of culture in our country because right now the culture that's trying to preserve anything is trying to cancel out what built this country. And keep in mind, if you're acting out, speaking out, if you're part of the stupidity that's got me on a complete rant this morning, you only have the ability to have that rant, to have your rant, to have your voice heard over intellect, to have your voice heard over common sense because of what America was built on, your rights to freedom of speech. You try this shit in other countries, folks, and you're going to take a dirt nap for a while. (sighs) Yeah, current events in America, folks. Stupidity reigns and ignorance rules. Stay tuned. I'm going to review a coffee. This one's going to be kind of fun. And then we'll be back for segment two, talking about the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Hang tight, folks. We're going to drink some coffee. The Weekly Grind. All right. What a passionate show so far. And it's probably good that the coffee I'm reviewing this week is in this show because I'm kind of passionate about it. So our grind this week comes to us from an ultra exclusive roaster. In fact, you cannot even find these beans on the shelf anywhere. You can't find them online. You can't find them anywhere. But Nego River, Alaska. The label is called Doc's Dirty Beans. And I think I might have mentioned a couple of shows back um, with the fact that I do coffee reviews and that I'm judging veteran roasted coffees. Over the winter, I thought I would get try my hand and get into roasting coffee. And so I I roasted a few batches. And I love it. The, the science behind it, the, the crafty art side of it, I it's truly therapeutic. And I look for all these different ways to, of activity therapy for me, right? And coffee roasting is one of them. But it, just roasting coffee wasn't good enough for me. I had to figure out how to kick it up just a little bit more, right? And so at the same time I was learning the craft of roasting coffee, I wanted to play around with infusing flavors into it. There's a few different ways that you can do it. And I'm not judging, gauging anybody on how they do it, how they add flavor to straight coffee beans without adding something to your brewed coffee. But what I did is I got some coffee beans. I got some white oak aging barrels. I soaked my beans. I soaked these beans, man. I soaked them. I drenched the little bastards. I soaked them in Jameson whiskey, the Jameson stout whiskey. And then I aged them in this white oak barrel for, I don't know, six, eight weeks. After they were well-aged, I roasted them. Oh, mother of God, these things are delicious. So it starts off sweet with this gentle sweetness, this little brown, sugary, almost caramel sweetness. In the middle of it, you get this slight bitterness, so there is a little acidity to it, right? And then it finishes like sweet whiskey on your tongue, brother. This stuff is fucking amazing. I've had a couple requests for it. I've got some other folks that I've got lined up that are going to sample a couple more batches of it. 
Doc's Dirty Beans. The reason I came up with that name for my coffee, and again, I'm not trying to sell it. I'm not trying to compete with Evan and Matt and, or anybody else with Jose at uh, Third Day Coffee Seguin. I'm not trying to compete with you brothers. I just wanted to learn how to roast coffee because if I'm going to do coffee reviews, I thought I would understand the art and the science behind it, right? And I really got into something that I liked here. Anyway, I picked Doc's Dirty Beans because all the roasts that I plan on doing are they're going to be soaked in an alcohol. They're going to be infused with an alcohol flavor. I've also done, and I'll save this for a different show, but I've also done uh, a roast in a 16-year-old Lagavulin scotch. Oh, that one doesn't suck either. We'll talk about that later. We might review that one when Adam Adam Miracle is here in a few weeks uh, doing a show with me. Uh, my best friend Adam will be up. So anyway, the roast this week from Doc's Dirty Beans not available anywhere, is the Jameson-infused Brazilian Cerrado coffee bean. Medium roast, beautiful color to the beans, this brisk aroma with that sweetness, and it is delicious whiskey on your tongue. Stay tuned. Born from the passion of taking care of our nation's veterans and warriors, Remedy Alpine, owned, operated, and staffed by veterans, provides a variety of therapeutic adventure and backcountry recreation programs ranging from single-day hikes to multi-day, multi-night mountain treks and even basic mountaineering adventures. For more information, visit them at www.remedyalpine.org. Remedy Alpine, reminding you to work the mountain and rest your mind. All right, so in segment two, we're going to talk about this week, the Biden administration announced the troop drawdown and troop withdrawal from Afghanistan to be completed on or before September 11th, 2021. First, let me level set the playground here. This is not 100% on the Biden administration. What I'm going to talk about, what frustrates me about the withdrawal from Afghanistan has been on the frontal lobe of people's brains since we started the war in 2001. We are almost 20 years into this, two decades. This war has been going on longer than my son's been alive. I don't blame the Biden administration for what we're going to talk about today. This isn't, this isn't Uncle Joe's problem. Uh, this, is, this is one of the things that he inherited. This wasn't Trump's problem. This is something he inherited. This wasn't Obama's problem. It's what he inherited. It's kind of Bush's problem, but keep in mind we were attacked, right? My problem in what kind of disgusts me about this entire thing, it's it's a timeline. There's no tactical end point. There's no win. There's no ticker tape parade. We went over, we fought for almost 20 fucking years, and now we're just going home. We're just calling it a day. I do want to go over some statistics. By the end of this, by the time we get home, a trillion dollars will have been spent in Afghanistan. One trillion dollars, okay? What we're looking at is approximately 2,500 total deaths, almost 2,000 killed in action, over right about 21,000 wounded in action. Let that sink in, folks. Almost 2,500 people died. About 2,000 of them killed in action. 500 of them were non-hostile injuries, just deaths in country. And almost 21,000 wounded in action. That's the, that's the burden and the weight that the U.S. 
is going to have to take care of those folks to what end point in every press release that came out this week around it, the concern of the power vacuum that's going to fall in will happen, not may happen, will happen. When we leave, the Taliban will be back in power. Make no fucking mistake about it. One of the things that we saw when we withdrew from Iraq, it was cheaper to leave the equipment there, like the Humvees, the MRAPs, than to ship it back to America, right? So the Taliban, they're going to be rolling through the country in some up-armored Humvees, in some MRAPs, some strikers, and some pretty heavy shit that they really did modern stuff, right, that they didn't have before. All of the advances that we did make over there, schools, rights for women and children, that's, that's all going to be gone. It will all be erased. What did we do in 20 years? This kind of goes back to the correlation with Vietnam, right? One of the, 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 the differences between the, the two major guerrilla wars fought by conventional and unconventional soldiers. You know, Vietnam, there was a, a clear and present danger. There was a represented threat. Afghanistan, they housed, harvested, and allowed Al-Qaeda to exist, and they directly attacked us. So we were justified and right to go there, without a doubt. But to what end point? When you, and I'm, I'm sorry, the fallacy behind it from day one. When you declare a global war on terror, when terror is your enemy, you declared a war that can never be won. Folks, terrorism is an ideology that lives in the mind and the heart of man. And the only way to defeat terrorism is to erase that ideology. And whether I believe in it or participate in it or not, I understand it and know it. I'm not a terrorist, but I understand it. And the only way to win against terrorism is to evaporate it. Well, it lives in the mind. It was never going to be a war that was won. There's no tactical endpoint here. We're on a timeline, September 11th. That's a ceremonial timeline because that's what started this. That's what started this whole process off. We are going to retain the ability to have manned and unmanned aircraft provide airstrikes in the area to still try to cordon, hone in, and box in the Taliban. We want to maintain the ability to conduct reconnaissance in the area to preserve the human rights gains that we have made. We have made some some strides over there. It's just vulnerable. It's probably going to, I say probably, it's going to be evaporated. So we're going to transition from conventional forces, in my hypothesis, into strictly guerrilla unconventional warfare. I think that we'll have a presence there unofficially. I'm not going to get into who I think it'll be. I'm not going to create a vulnerability. I'm not going to compromise any projected future operational security this is going to be a vulnerable point and here's the thing we are in the history book with the same people as the roman empire is the british empire is genghis khan nobody's fucking one over there folks not a single fucking army in the history of documented mankind in warfare everybody's lost there that's the one battleground that nobody could win on ever and we're just, we're just a part of it. We're just a part of the people. It took us 20 years. And how many lives? I mentioned in the opening that this weekend is the anniversary of the attack on Outpost Bar Yulai for my task force. And I had some people that I know 
killed over there a lot of the a lot of the the imagery and the visions that haunt me have a lot to do with this anniversary and what was it for and this is the question our nation's leaders our nation's representatives should ask themselves before they commit us to something else like this in the future we have to start fight. i believe in fighting wars i'm a warrior i was a i was a warrior I'm correct myself kind of hard to remember that shit i'm not doing this anymore i was a warrior for 20 years i believe in fighting wars i believe in violence for the right reason but there has to be a tactical endpoint there has to be a clearly defined tactical objective and folks we spent a trillion dollars and 2500 us lives and at the end of the day we're going to come home there's going to be no ticker tape parade there's going to be no major celebration of our victory the strongest country in the world and for 20 years and i can tell you uh, cuz i fought there we fought hard we fought well we fought decisively surgically and for all of our efforts and for all of our blood what do we have to show for it and again this is not everybody wants to blame the current administration you know what it part of me respects him for having the the elemental gusto to say we're done and to come out it was part of his platform it was part of his campaign and he stuck to it and i try to remain myself as an objective person right I might not agree with a lot of the other shit that he's doing, but to this one, I I don't know how I could be mad at it. I don't know how I could be frustrated with this. It's the process that we're frustrated with folks, not the person. He didn't create it. How do we honor our friends? How do we honor our comrades, our coalition partners, right? Our coalition partners, they have, they've lost bodies and lives too, but not to the same, not to the same degree that the United States has. But our British partners, our French partners, German partners, Latvians, when I think back on this weekend, there was a lot of Latvian blood spilled on that mountain. Our coalition partners that died next to us, Afghani blood, the ones that weren't cowards, the ones that stood, stood their watch and spilt their own blood in their own country in defense of something that they believed in. That was a coalition loss, folks. That was not strictly a U.S. loss on that day. Maybe one day me and my friends will have the intestinal fortitude to want to talk about that. The survivors, our version of it, what we remember, our opinions, not today. So after 20 years, the United States will be pulling out of Afghanistan, folks. And this is a part of the country, excuse me, this is a part of the world that we will want to watch. As we get closer to the actual withdrawal, as we get closer to September, are they going to allow us to leave in peace? are they going to send a message to us on our way out the door? Very, very vulnerable point for the last boots on the ground as they exit the country. We want to pay attention to this and we want to pay attention to it after we're gone. What human rights atrocities are going to come back? If the Taliban has their way, no education for women over the age of eight, women in general will be completely oppressed. We're going to do a show on oppression, folks. Not today. In the future, I want to thank one of my buddies, Frosty, for giving me the idea. And I think it's important I mention it in this segment right now because oppression in its true form will come back to that country. You know, people think they're oppressed in America today. They don't know oppression. Go go live in Afghanistan in 2022. You'll fucking see oppression stare you straight in the face. And looks will kill. 
I'm struggling for words right now, which is very uncommon. Those that know me know that I can usually ramble on. I mean, I uh, can usually just shoot it out. As I'm thinking about what's going to happen for the troops that remain as they draw down, when I think about the vulnerability, when I think about the previous almost 20 years of warfare, when I think about my 12 months in that country and the active fighting that I participated in, the operations that I helped conduct, I think about my friends that died there, their blood that was spilt there the wrecked and demolished families afterwards as they try to recover and cope with giving the ultimate sacrifice to a country. And just like that, folks, it's going to be over. And how did it end? It ended to a date on a calendar. All right, folks, stay tuned. I'll be back in a moment. We'll close out the show. All right, folks, that's the show this week. Got a little deep at the end. I think it's important, though. One of the things I want to do before we close the show out, and I've got to get better at it, is to give some shout outs to some folks. So first of all, I want to talk about Sweetwater. So Sweetwater is a company that I purchased some of our studio equipment from, and I'm getting ready to do another upgrade this coming week. Uh, We're improving microphone number two from the Rode pod mic to a Shure SM7B, like the microphone that I record off of for myself. That way we give our, our studio guests the, the best quality in, in podcast recording. So we're do, working on that upgrade. And I've ordered from Sweetwater before. And I got to tell you, man, their customer service is best in class by far. So if you if you record, if you're into music at all, whether it be Uh, music, podcasting, any of that, reach out and you can, you can touch base with Matt Emick at Sweetwater, right? Matt underscore Emick, E-M-I-C-K at Sweetwater.com. Or you can text him directly at 260-247-6422. Tell him that Doc J from Bullets to Beans podcast sent you over there. You will not be disappointed. The best customer service experience I've had in a long time to the point where I wanted to talk about it on my show. Travis Tool, one of the listeners. Hey, brother, thanks for reaching out. Uh, I know you want to connect and get together and be able to tell you, tell your story. Uh, we're going to work on that. Next week, we've got Mark Casper, a Marine veteran from Trek, uh, Tech for Troops. That's hard to say. Tech for Troops, a nonprofit. Uh, that's going to be what we're talking about next week. Danique from uh, Leashes of Valor a couple episodes ago. Thanks for giving me idea about coffee. Um, I've reached out, I've placed an order and it's on the way. So we'll be reviewing, uh, some of that stuff coming up and then veteran podcast awards. Again, there'll be more stuff coming. I'll have a link to it in the show notes from now going forward. The voting listener voting period is August 7th to September 10th. So it's not just yet, uh, but it will be coming up and we'll talk about it more and more as we get closer. Um, I think that's it folks. If you like the show, Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. As I always say, treat it like playground crack. Tell your friends, get a free sample, get them hooked, get them listening. That's our our show this week, folks. Uh, Remember, uh, in closing, remember our fallen. Don't let them die a second death like what we talked about with the 98 Fund with Mark DeRocky and with uh, Jason Costell. Never stop saying their names, folks. Don't let our brothers and sisters who who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Don't let them die their second death. All right, folks, that's it. We'll talk to you next week. Stay frosty. Bullets to Beans is an official media production of Lifeline Media, LLC, Eagle River, Alaska. 